Good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Good. Welcome to the most awkward week of the year, the in-between, who am I, what day is it? I woke up one of the days when I was off and I thought, oh my God, I need to get ready for work. Wait, no, it's Sunday. Wait, no, it's not. Wait, oh, go back to bed. Um, I'm just like really full all the time. I feel like I need to eat a vegetable. I don't know. I don't know what. Is it Christmas or New Year's? I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. For me, I'm still in the Christmas aspect of it. We celebrated Christmas number five last night. Um, for those of you with blended families, you all know about Christmas number five. Um, our divorces have divorces, but... It's fine, more presents, I love it. I love spending time with family. Um, but in this time of reflection where we're kind of looking forward to like setting goals and we're looking back at the year and did we like it, did we not like it? In the spirit of reflection this morning, we're gonna talk about being grateful for our past, having contentment in our present and looking to the future with hope. Having grateful for our past, contentment in the present and looking to our future with hope. We are here at Rancho. Our mission statement is thousands of friends advancing the cause of Christ. And if you've been here any length of time, you've heard us say that. But this morning, I kind of want to get into the how. How do we do that? I want to look at what Jesus tells his disciples in the book of John. He says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so also you must love one another. By this, all men and women will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Loving each other well is very important to advancing the cause of Christ. And this morning what I want to talk about is can we really do that well with an ungrateful heart? See, I think gratefulness directly affects our attitude, and I think our attitude matters. When it comes to advancing the cause of Jesus, our attitude can be a bridge or it can be a barrier. I'm not talking about this fake Christian stuff. I'm not talking about you always have to wear a smile. You can never disagree with anybody. Trust me, on the Enneagram, I'm a hard eight, okay? I don't know. For those of you that don't know, that means I like confrontation. So if you all are avoiding any confrontation, give me a call. I'll come over. I'll handle it for you. I love it. I think it's, it's just healthy. It's just a healthy way to live. That's just my opinion. Um, but I really enjoy it. So I'm not saying you can never disagree. You can never have a problem with anything. You can never confront. That's not what I'm saying here at all. I'm talking about something much deeper, a freedom from irritation and complaining taking root deep down in our lives, this kind of freedom that gratitude can bring. When we grab onto gratefulness, we can release past hurts and offenses, experience freedom from today's comparison and complaining, and let go of the fear of the future and embrace the hope and joy that the Bible says we have in Christ. Living a life of gratitude helps everyone around us. It helps us, it helps our family, it helps those that we work with. Um, living a life of gratitude is living a life on purpose, and on mission. So how do we live a life of gratitude? What does that look like? This morning I'm going to talk about um, one of those ways I believe that we can do is practice it. I think that we can begin living this life of gratitude by practicing praise. My husband and I were pregnant. We got pregnant when we were teenagers and then we got married shortly after. So to say that we struggled is a huge understatement. Um, we definitely were starting off just behind. And uh, we struggled, we struggled. But I remember when we first rented, we rented our first home, and we were so happy. Um, we had a little bit of room. And uh, we learned a lot of lessons 
in this time period. I remember I was pregnant um, with a stomach that was like from here to the back wall, and so I had to like take some time off from waiting tables during that time. Um, I worked right up until I couldn't. My husband lost a job, and I just remember when sitting there um, pregnant with baby number two, and our electric our electricity was shut off. And the amazing thing about when that happens is that not only do you not have money for your current electric bill, but now you get to cough up a few hundred bucks to turn it back on for a deposit. I love how that works. It's totally smart. Um, I remember one time I was in my uniform. I was heading out to work, and I was opening the garage door, and the repo guy met me at my car. So I did what any Christian woman would do, and I wrote a blank check. And I was like, here you go. Have fun. i got to go to work. But I went to work. The Lord provided. The check was made good. Um, and we were able to keep our car. And I remember coming home one day at another time and having a three-day pay-or-quit notice on our door. I was just like, this is rude. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no discussion. Like, I just don't pay my rent one time, and now i got to go. Like, that's just really rude. You have three days to pay the money you don't have or get out of here. And I love, that's why I love what we get to do at Community Mission of Hope, is we get to help people that are in this exact circumstance. And we received help from our church at that time. And eventually, through the help of others and through God's grace, and we fought and we fought and we worked hard. And we finally got to a place where we could have our head above water. And it just finally felt like we were just a normal young family and not just two broke teenage parents. And I just remember being so grateful. We were on time with everything, paying our bills. We had learned some lessons. We were good. Now, I belong to a nerd family. Um, I'm a nerd by marriage, actually, so I married into this. But we have, like, a nerd family going on. And so I remember there was one movie that uh, my husband was waiting in line for an ungodly amount of hours before the midnight showing of, like, the first showing of something. But I had to work that night, so I met him after work. And... We drove home, we were in separate cars because we had met there, and I remember him calling me and saying, honey, um, I didn't want to tell you this before the movie, but our landlord called and she asked us to leave. She needs the house for her dad. And I know that doesn't sound super traumatic, it's just a rental, but for us, it was so much more. We were on time, we had been caught up. I didn't even know they could do this. (laughs) I honestly, I'm like, what? I mean, it's your house, but I mean, I live here. (laughs) This is very rude. And I just remember completely just beginning to just break down in tears. I was crying so hard, I couldn't see the road. And I just remember saying like, I don't have any words to pray. I've done it all. I've been through this so much. I finally thought we were going to be clear of this. I prayed with the electric bill and with the car and with the house, and I don't have any words. And I just remember in the, in the tears that the song came to my mind that we used to sing in our worship team when I was in youth group. And it said, if I become as Job, stripped of everything that I own, still I will praise you alone. I'm not going to lie, I didn't know who Job was at that time. But I knew... I knew from this song that he was my example. This is what I was supposed to do, and so I did. With tears streaming down my face in total surrender at the end of myself, I said, God, you are good. God, you are holy. You are faithful. You are the king of the heaven and of the earth, and you love my family, and you are in control of our circumstances. And then I said, I don't feel any of this, just so we're clear. Just wanted to be honest, but I'm going to do it because Job did it, whoever that guy is. And so I began a practice of praise, and it didn't remove my pain, but it brought God into it. 
It didn't remove my pain, but it lifted my focus off of it, off of my circumstance and onto the one who was in control and who could help us. Throughout the Bible, David's one of my favorite people. Possibly because I can understand a little bit of the suffering that this man has gone through. We're like suffering besties. But also I just love his story arc. It's one of my favorite in the Bible. I love that he was just nothing. And then he was used in a great way to defeat the biggest giant of the land. And that from that he caught the eye of the king. And King Saul was like, dude, you're amazing. I want you right here. I want you on my right hand. And then other people started saying, dude, that guy's amazing. And Saul was like, wait, what? Um, I'm jealous. I'm going to kill you. And so then, just from David being faithful and following God and serving God and God using David, David was now running for his life. The king and all his army was after David. And he was alone. He had no friends. He had nobody. And he was literally hiding under rocks. But I love throughout the Psalms, when we see throughout the Psalms that we see David declaring what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. I want us to look at the Psalms this morning because if anyone had a right to not be grateful, it's David. In Psalm chapter 10, verse 1, David starts off by saying, like, dude, where are you? God, where's what's up? He says, why, Lord, do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? He goes on to say, I need you to, there's this evil guy, he's after me, I need you to rise up, I need you to take care of him. But I love how he closes. He says, the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. He is totally honest with God. He says, I don't know where you are. You kind of got me in this situation, and where did you go? But anyway, I'm going to tell you what I need because I do know that you're listening. And then he goes on to praise God. You are the Lord and King forever and ever, and you will hear the cry of the afflicted. So why be grateful and why thank God, especially in times of trouble? Because when we set our eyes, our ears, and our hearts on God, we have a new perspective, and that helps us to be free to love each other better. It's really okay if this is not a natural reaction. That's why we're talking this morning about practicing it. We want to practice living this life of gratitude. And I think that when we do that, when we can praise God in the face of something awful, it brings heaven on earth. His kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think that when we can say, God, you are good, in the midst of some of our worst circumstances, that that unleashes something supernatural. Scott talked about moments that matter uh, in our Esther series leading up to Christmas, just before Christmas, and uh, he was talking about you know, being prepared, being prepared for those big moments that come. How are we going to act? And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about preparing and practicing praising God regardless of the circumstance. We don't let the circumstance dictate, dictate how we view God. A few years later, um, we ended up buying a home in Hemet because our, our housing price was so low in rent that uh, we actually couldn't even afford an apartment. 
when we were asked to leave. And so we had to leave everything behind. We had to leave um, our school. You know, my son was getting ready to start first grade in the school that he had just finished kindergarten in. And uh, my, my husband was born and raised in this church. Um, he wanted me to show you a picture of him as a baby with Pastor Steve Strickman's. I was like, no, honey, it, it's, we don't have time. But he wants you all to know. He was born and raised in this church. Um, I was raised in this church. We met in this youth group. We got married at this church, and now we had to be banished to Emmett because she needed her house back. That's fine. I've forgiven her. Um, so we're in Hemet for 12 years, and after the why me, why, or why, why, we ended up actually really loving it there. But I'll never forget this day. It was my oldest son's fr first freshman football game, and we came home in broad daylight to our front door had been kicked in, and we had been robbed of everything that we had of value, which literally wasn't much. I'm like, really? But they took everything that we had. And I remember the next day, I just remember our kids climbing into bed with us, and I just said, you know what, let's just lay here and praise God for everything they didn't take. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous because I had a ninth and a fifth grade boy. And I'm like, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to get out of this bed as fast as they got into it, and they're totally just going to run away from me. But they didn't. They stayed. It was a miracle. It was beautiful. And they began to praise God, and they began to praise God, and they said, each other, our toys, our beds, our home, our car, our food. Which, by the way, he took my picture of iced tea, okay? Like, I get everything else. It's, like, not personal. You go into my fridge, you take the iced tea that I had just brewed. I was coming home to a fresh cup of iced tea. Like, now I have the brewer and not the pitcher that goes with Like, why would you do that? It's just so rude. But in that moment, I was so grateful for the times in the past where we had learned to praise God regardless of our circumstance. And it had become a habit, and I was thankful that we got to model that for our kids Jesus knows about difficult pasts. He knows about suffering, about betrayal. He knows about heartbreak, about unanswered prayers. We don't serve a God who does not understand our pain or our struggles or our temptations. And we're not sitting next to people that don't either. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We suffer, we are comforted. Others suffer, we comfort. What a beautiful design of the church and a beautiful relationship. Sometimes it's our suffering that connects us. I've sat with people who are crying over things that I myself have cried over, and I've sat with people who are in pain over things that I myself have been in pain over. Maybe your past isn't one of struggling. Maybe it's just not what you thought it would be. Maybe it's just not what you wanted. But no matter what any of our past was, it has brought all of us here together today. And we have that to be grateful for. Maybe it brought you here for the first time and we're glad that you're here. Maybe it brought you to become a part of this church and you serve on one of the teams here and you're living out your purpose and your calling every day. 
Maybe it brought you to become a, a global missionary and you're serving across the world and you're retired and you're back with us today. Whatever it is, I am grateful this morning for you and that you are here. I am grateful for this church and hopefully our past has brought us all into a deeper understanding of God's love for us. Let's talk about being presently grateful, okay? In a recent article I read, neuro, this is the title, it says, Neuroscience Reveals Gratitude Literally Rewires Your Brain to Be Happier. So they took three groups, they took people and they, they separated them into three groups. And the first group was to record everything that they were grateful for. And the second group was to record everything that just irritated them. And the third group was to record just neither one, just things, like went to the grocery store, not mad about it, not happy about it, just happened. Facts. And this is what they found after 10 weeks. The gratitude group, I just love that. Don't y'all just want to be a part of the gratitude? Let's be the gratitude group. I had this guy after a first service came up to me and he said, I'm in your gratitude group. I was like, yes, we are the gratitude group. The gratitude group reported feeling more optimistic and positive about their lives than the other groups. In addition, the gratitude group was more physically active and reported fewer visits to the doctor than those who wrote only about their negative experiences. Feelings of gratitude can improve your sleep quality, reduce feelings of anxiety and depression. Furthermore, levels of gratitude correlate to better moods, less fatigue and inflammation, and reducing the risk of heart failure even for those who are susceptible. It says, in adolescence, Feelings of gratitude have shown an inverse correlation with bullying, victimization, and suicide risk. Gratitude affects brain function on a chemical level, and its practice promotes feelings of self-worth and compassion for others. The practice of gratitude literally makes us more compassionate for others. They will know us by our love and our, adoles our adolescents will model our behavior, won't they? Good or bad? <laughs> Man, I remember the first time I saw one of my kids looking back. It was like looking in a mirror, and it was like not one of my pretty traits. You know, it was like, oh, and you can't get mad at them, and you can't even blame them. You're just like literally the only option is like just go into a deep, dark hole of self-loathing. That's literally just what I could do. It's like, oh, dang. Let's model gratefulness. Let's model compassion. And Philippians Chapter 4, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's what David did. He said, I don't know where you are, Here's my request. Thank you, you are king, you are good, and you will hear my cry. I just want to share lastly from the article, it says, Openness and willingness to experience gratitude affects not only the individual, but his and her interpersonal relationships. It says, A common strain in relationship is caused by repeated negative feedback by one or both partners without offsetting gratitude. We're straining our relationships by how much we're complaining and our lack of gratitude. This is why I really want us to be grateful this morning, is because you can't be grateful and complain at the same time. I think we all need a little deliverance from our complaining. I mean, I know that I do. 
I love that the study just told people just to record what irritates you. That's it. No major, huge offense, nothing, no traumatic experience. Just record the things that irritate you. It's so important that we live this life of gratitude so that we stop putting strain on our relationships. You know, when you come to church and, and the first thing you think is like, I don't, didn't really come to hear her this morning. I don't, really, I don't really like this floor they're so happy about. That worship song was not my favorite one. Not my pick. Mm-mm. You're putting a strain on, our, on your relationship with your church. But instead, we should rejoice and be grateful for the things that we have. It's the same with your child and with your spouse. When you record, listen, listen. I know, our, I know spouses and children can be irritating, I'm irritating, and I know this, but the trick is to not think only of the things that irritate us, but to really spend time thinking why we are gratitude, why we are so grateful. My early years in ministry, um, I was called a full-time ministry about 10 years ago, and I remember just being like, you know, I'm totally going to be so mature about this. I'm not going to talk about, you know, negative about each other um, on my ministry team, I'm going to try and keep my, my church staff like a holy place, and I don't want to cause division, you know, you've got to kind of rise up, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I saved it all for my husband. So, you know, he took it like a champ for a while, but eventually after years of this, it began to really put a strain on his relationship with his church, on my relationship with the church, on our relationship and really on me, because I was still, still recording all the things that irritated me. So let's be intentional not to drive each other crazy. Let's just start rejoicing. I'm bringing that churchy word back. I don't care. It's back today. We're going to rejoice over every single thing that we can. Husband brought home a paycheck. Rejoice. We're going to lunch. Kid brought home a C. He's not failing that class. He's passing. I'm going to rejoice over that this morning. That's literally my life right now. That's a true example. There has got to be more venting going this way and less going this way. He wants it. He wants that connection. He wants to hear from us. And you know what? He's really the one that can do something about it. But we have got to stop with, oh, I just need to get this off my chest. I just need to vent. Because we're putting a strain on the relationship. I just have to tell you something really funny. I kind of was writing this and was kind of thinking through this before um, my nerd family and I went to the very first showing of the, the latest Star Wars movie. Um, we were there for the very first one, yes. And I'm going to tell you this right now. As I sat in that movie, <laughs> I was telling myself, I started to get critical of it, like, oh, what's, what are they doing? And I told myself, like, Megan, you're putting a strain on your relationship to the Star Wars films. <laughs> You need to just shut off the irritations and just enjoy it. Just be grateful. I'm so grateful that there's just another Star Wars movie. I'm just glad. And so that's what I did. As far as the future goes, I'm not much of a planner. I'm not really, I don't like, you know, what's your five-year plan, 2025 goals. I don't like that stuff. I do it. It's part of my job. I don't like it. I'm more of like a, just a doer, you know, like I'm just going to show you. Can I just show you what happens? Like I'm just going to do. I don't like to talk about it. I don't know much about what the future holds, but I do know this. I know that God will be there for me because he's been there for me. 
When I remember when God was there for me, it gives me a peace and a hope to know that he will be there for me. David knew God would be there for him with Saul because he was there for him with Goliath. We know God loves us because he sent his son, his one and only son, who we just spent a month in celebration of his birth. Some of y'all spent two months, and it's okay. We can still be friends, you know, but it shouldn't happen before Thanksgiving. (laughs) But we're celebrating Jesus, so it's okay. But he came to be a comforter in our times of trial. He came to change our perspective, and we see that throughout the scriptures with him and his disciples. He came to invite us to see beyond the little irritating things in front of us and to lift our eyes and to see him. He came to set us free of our sin and bring us into an eternal life. Through his teachings and by his spirit, we can follow him into a life of freedom no matter what our circumstances. Our freedom is not impacted by our circumstance. Let's accept that invitation. In Galatians, it says the fruit of the Spirit, which is the resulting fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our lives when we let him. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It doesn't mention gratefulness here per se, but I would argue that having an ungrateful heart can produce some opposite fruits, like being unloving, being unkind, being angry, frustrated, bitter, critical. I want to encourage us all today to live a life of gratitude, not because God is going to love you anymore. He loves you right where you're at, but so that we can remember his love for us. I read a statistic Lately, I read a statistic recently that said that the church's uh, attendance is in decline. But in spite of that, 50% of people who were interviewed um, said that they would, they're still open to going. And I'm just asking, what if our attitudes were a bridge and not a barrier to those who are not a part of a church, to welcome them into a church and ultimately into God's love What if our attitudes were that bridge and not a barrier? What if we remember what God has done for us and we keep it, and it keeps us in a place of constant joy? What if instead of being critical and focusing our eyes on where the church has gone wrong and where our spouse has gone wrong and our boss and our kids and everyone has gone wrong, wrong, all the wrong, there's so much wrong. If you want to spend a day complaining, you don't have to look far. But instead, we focus on what is right and what is good and what is amazing. How then might we truly impact this world around us for the glory and honor of God the Father? Jesus became a man, took on the cross, died, and rose again so that we would experience life to the fullest and enter his kingdom. This morning, we have that and so much more to be grateful for. And if you're hearing this and you're like, I just don't know really where to start, I just want to encourage you to start like David and just be honest and say like, God, I I don't feel you. Did you just abandon? Did you just leave me here? Or whatever it is, whatever your honesty, just be honest before the Lord and with thanksgiving, present your request to him. Let's lay down all of our irritability and our bitterness at the cross and accept the invitation to have gratefulness for our past to have contentment in our present, and to look forward to the future with hope for our peace 
and for the gospel to spread throughout the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we thank you for the scripture, for the wisdom that is in it, Lord. We thank you for the invitation that you have given us into a better life. We thank you that we can have, we can experience your kingdom here on earth, Lord. We thank you for who you are. You are king of all the earth. You are in control of every situation. You are faithful. You are holy. You are good. You are a redeemer, a God of love and compassion. Father, help us by your spirit and by your teaching to become a more grateful people. May we be the grateful group that others talk about, and may they know us by our love for one another. We love you so much. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.